when I started thinking about this text, um, I was really not too certain how I would start. And as I started to think about it a little bit more, I guess the, the question that I've been asked about, I won't say 200 times, uh, but I've been asked quite a little bit, is simply, Frank, how are you doing? And my answer normally would be that I'm hanging in there and I'm just taking one day at a time. And there's been some days that's been pretty hard. And then there's other days that I can go without necessarily thinking all day long about obviously <laughs> what happened. Um, but I think one of the neat things uh, is just to think you know, where we've been in the last couple of years as a family. Um, Nancy's mom went to be with the Lord in April of 19. It was the very next month that she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. In March of last year, it was my mom who died. And then, not even two months ago, my wife. And you could just kind of just get paralyzed there. And so, you know, when, when John, when you mentioned this morning out of 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, that phrase that just jumped right out at me was grieved by various trials. It's been a hard two years. And one of the things that, by God's grace, we've just been real clear on is that when you're in a hard time like that, now it may not be a death of a spouse, it may not even be uh, anything to do with death, but you go through a very hard season. And sometimes in that, you're, the question that you just want to cry out and scream out is, God, where are you? And in that time, I've observed through the years that we can either run to God or we can take off and go the other way and run from God. And I've always had that as a little phrase to use as I've interacted with people through the years as they go through their trials. But I can tell you it's a great big difference when you're the one going through it. And by the grace of God, one of the things that really became uh, a lifeline for us, and it was the absolute grace of God that enabled us to run to him. We did this regularly by turning to God's word, and also by reading some good books. Uh, towards the end, Nance really couldn't, couldn't read anymore. She, her eyes just weren't going to focus on a text. And so there were two books that I read aloud to her, and one of them was Billy Graham, Nearing Home. It was the last book that he wrote. And you know Billy Graham had just breathed devotion to Jesus, and that was really, really helpful for us. And then the other book that really uh, we were able to actually go all the way to the finish of it um, we Shall See God by Randy Alcorn. And it's Randy Alcorn actually interacting with sermons, sermon excerpts from Charles Haddon Spurgeon from way back in the 1800s. And he would excerpt from a sermon that Spurgeon preached, and then he would interact with it a little bit. And there were, it's a series of 50 readings. And every day you're brought into the presence of God. And it became pretty apparent after a while that this wasn't going to be theory. 
this is where Nance was heading not very long after we finished that book. And, and so, you know, I just recommend some of those things to you. Keep in the word. When you are in a hard time, don't try and do it on your own. We are in a community, and I will say this. You heard this. Some of you would have been at her funeral service, and you would have heard me say this. Um, this body came around us and has continued to come around me in ways that have been an absolute lifeline. And so once again, I wasn't going to say this, but I'll say it again. Von ganzem Herzen bedanke ich mich bei euch. And so that means translating, <laughs> unless you speak German, uh, I thank you from my entire heart for the blessing that you have been to me. Well, we regularly were reading scriptures. We would go to places like Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, setting your mind on Christ, on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We used to regularly look at 1 John 3, 1 through 3, where it tells us that we shall behold him, the one that we've learned and we've talked about for years, but to see him with our own eyes. And I won't even have to have these. And then Revelation 21, it was something that I read to her mom all the time, and it started to be something that I would read to her all the time. Now, a little bit earlier this week, Christian uh, Dennett uh, reached out to me and he said, hey, would you uh, consider... Uh, bringing the devotional thought uh, on Sunday evening from 1 Corinthians 15, 54. And you would have thought that this would have been one of the ones that we would have ran to all the time. But, you know, it never was. But I can guarantee you this, going forward, it sure will be. I want to read the scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 54. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in this victory. In this verse, we have a glorious promise. And if I could sum up that one verse in one sentence, it would be this. Whether in life or death, we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Whether in life or death, we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I can tell you that very first song that we sang tonight would have uh, incredibly blessed Nance. That was one of her very favorite songs. Well, we don't have a whole lot of time, so I want to look at this, but I want to try and paint a brief picture on 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, boy, it's a church that had issues. And so Paul's dealing with one thing after the other, conflict, division, uh, you know, blatant sin, all of these things. When he gets to 1 Corinthians 15, what we call the resurrection chapter, he starts to focus in on that one issue, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he gives evidence, he cites scripture, that according to the scriptures, and then he starts listing off all of these people, evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. But, in, but he goes on beyond that. 
And he talks as well about the necessity of the resurrection for all true believers. And there apparently were people in Corinth who really didn't think that the resurrection had happened. I'm not too sure about that, they would have said to Paul. And so he spends time in this chapter to say, why is it necessary that this happened? And he essentially says, if it didn't happen, what in the world are we doing? Why are we here? And then here to the end, he starts to focus in on this verse, and, and he comes to the climax, the glorious victory achieved for all true believers by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So with that as a little bit of a context, two thoughts, and then one question. The first one is a sobering reality, and the second thing I want to focus on is a glorious reality. And then here's the question. I'm going to preview it now, and I'm going to come back to it. Is this glorious reality for everyone? A sobering reality. Look at those verses. Uh, look at verse 54. What does it say there? There's three words that jump out at me that tell me that this isn't games, fun and games. It talks about the perishable. It talks about the mortal. And it talks about death. These are not trivial subjects. This is serious. A Texas expression that you'll hear me use once in a while, this is stronger than bear's breath. This is in your face. Games are aside. We're talking about things that matter. And here's a, here's a thought for you. All humans have an expiration date. That's what it's telling us here. Perishable, mortal, death. Now, Nancy's mom came very close to making it to 98. My mom made 86. Nance made 63. But we had a young lady a little bit earlier in the year, and she only made it to 22. And one of Nance's very best friends from years ago, her little boy died at two days old. Death. It's an ugly word to describe an ugly reality. An ugly word to describe an ugly reality. And you see your wife or your loved one or a friend, and you see them who they used to be, and they're wasted away, and she can't walk, and she can't eat, and she has difficulty breathing, and you see all of them. And what do you do? So I'm driving that point home. It's a sobering reality. This isn't fun and games. This isn't just, uh, hey, it'll all be better next week. But as hard as the sobering reality is, then on the other hand, we have to look at the other side. A glorious reality. And again, there's three words on this side. And it somewhat counterbalances the other words. And they're hugely encouraging words. Because where on the one hand it said perishable, on this side it says imperishable. And on this side where it said mortal, on this side it says immortality. And on this side where it had that ugly word death, on this side there's victory. Now what in the world happened? Those things. And in verse 57, it doesn't tell us it's victory because I just thought of some good thoughts and just uh, you know, somehow came out of myself and just pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. Uh-uh. 
It says in verse 57, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, it tells us real plain here, death does not win. Now, I want to ask a question. Is this just Paul's word, or is he basing this on something? Now, I don't know if you heard what Cole closed the sermon with this morning. Isaiah 25, verse 8. And that's actually what Paul's quoting from here as he says, death is swallowed up in victory. So in Isaiah 25 and verse 8, at the end it says, he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. And now listen. For the Lord has spoken. Not Paul. It wasn't Frank and it wasn't Cole and it wasn't anybody else. It was the Lord. And he promises. And this is the promise from God himself. And we can count on it. Because in Numbers 23 and 19 it says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? His word is good. His word's a whole lot better than my word. I may have very good intentions, and I may try real hard to do what I can for you, and I may not be able to. I may not be smart enough. I may not be strong enough. I may not have enough money. I may have good intentions, but just get distracted. God's not that way. He is not that way. And he gives us this promise here. Death is swallowed up in victory. An old-time commentator said, What looks like a victory for death and like a defeat for us when our bodies die and decay shall be utterly reversed so that death dies in absolute defeat and our bodies live again in absolute victory. And so now, considering these things, here comes the all-important question. Is this really for everybody? And we know better than that. There's warnings all the way throughout Scripture. Yes, potentially it would be for everybody, but we know that not all will respond. Romans 23. 323, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I've been reading through Jeremiah lately. And it says in Jeremiah 526, wicked men are found among my people. And there's God speaking to Jeremiah. So there are people, they look like on the outside, they're kind of going along with things. And in their hearts, they're not. And Jesus, we know, in Matthew 25, he distinguishes between the sheep and the goats. And toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, we read in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Think about that. A broad, easy way that leads to destruction versus a hard, narrow way that leads to life. As I said at Nancy's funeral, it's one of the few times where there's really an either-or choice. 
the ultimate pain of death is not even physical death. The ultimate pain of death is to die unforgiven in your sin, which leads to spiritual death for all of eternity. So as we conclude tonight, I want to really press the point with you. I don't know everybody in this room, and there may be people who have been invited by someone else. There may be somebody who's grown up in a Christian home, and you go to church because your mom and dad says you have to go. <laughs> uh, and you just kind of go along with that. If I could say a word to you tonight, it would be this. Don't blow this off until some later time. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. Today, the scripture says, is the day of salvation. Do business with Jesus. He is the one who gives you the victory. In him, you have nothing to fear. And you have everything to hope for and to trust. He also is as good as his word. And for my brothers and sisters, which I think is the vast majority of you in here, there may be a day that you go through some hard times like what we've been going through. You want to come back to this scripture where it says that in very important word, death, that ugly, ugly word is swallowed up in victory. And if I could break out a, uh, an expression that a couple of people have heard from me once or twice before, death is body slammed by Jesus. Body slammed by Jesus. Let's pray. Oh God, how we thank you and praise you. How we thank you and praise you from our entire beings. God, that you, the author and the finisher of our faith, the creator and the self-existent one, you have given us the great hope and the great promise here in this scripture that you are for us and that you're not against us and that you, through Jesus Christ, your son at the cross, have given us the victory. And God, we ask that you tonight would press that home to each one here this evening who possibly really isn't sure where they spend eternity. And we cry out to you and ask that you would do that great work of redemption. In Jesus' name, amen.